Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. everyone. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And we're coming to you from Austin, Texas, to give you the freshest world of running information, as well as talk to Ajay Wilson, who's the 800-meter U.S. record holder, as well as the area record holder and second fastest of all time in the 600-meter run. We're going to talk to Ajay about high stakes and what we do under pressure, whether that's a season opener in a workout that matters to you, or maybe you're on the world-class stage like Ajay Wilson. We're going to unpack all of it, as well as talk about the world of running and some amazing things that are happening there, including the Trials of Miles race that we were recently at. Which is why we are sweating in Austin, Texas right now. <laughs> so if you don't want to miss a thing, and you don't, you need to go to adzrunning.com. Look for the word follow and subscribe on YouTube. Ring the bell so you get notified so you don't have to do the work of finding us when we post new content. Also, post your comments and questions. We love to see and hear those kinds of things. And then share occasionally on air like this question mm -hmm. so someone apparently noticed that in the trials of miles 5k that i ran that my bib my race bib was all wrinkled up and crinkled um and of course it was now i, I have to disappoint slightly here because the reason is not anything significant or notable i simply thought about the fact that it was very windy yeah very windy those bibs sometimes feel like a sail when the wind catches them and just blows them all around and i figured i could probably reduce that a little bit by just wrinkling the whole thing up before i pinned it to my shirt mm -hmm. i don't know if it worked or helped in any way. And really, I don't actually care if it did. I just figure that I want to notice these kinds of things as little as possible when I'm in the race. So I thought that might help. Uh -huh. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Also, oh, details. bonus question, because many of you and certainly a few of our own athletes directly have been talking about shoes lately and what to wear when training, what to wear when racing and when to kind of blend mm -hmm. the two. And what does that look like? And so naturally, there is kind of a good approach to these kinds of things. Certainly, the primary goal in training, as it always is, is to build fitness, to mm -hmm. get fitter. And so in doing that, the most important way that you accomplish that fundamental goal is high quality training over time, consistently sustaining over time, which means you got to stay healthy. And so one of the best ways to stay healthy is wearing footwear that helps us stay healthy. And that means different things for different people. So yes. I'm not going to recommend a certain shoe to anyone globally here. But I will say that those big support, cushiony, soft shoes, um, a lot of times those can be helpful mm -hmm. for many athletes in keeping good health over long volumes of training. So yeah, many will do that. And we often recommend for our athletes the big cushiony shoes like that. However, races your goal is different your yeah. goal is usually to test your fitness to perform at the highest possible level given your current fitness and in doing that you want to choose footwear that supports higher level performance mm -hmm. maybe the same thing as your training shoes but most likely not and so then the question becomes if i'm going to race in something different than i'm generally training in when do i make that transition do i just wait until the race and then put on a totally different shoe no or you know do i train in my racing shoe year round no. So there's some kind of medium between the two. And mm -hmm. we, we tend to recommend that you 
find some workouts as you're nearing a race where you're going to switch shoes um, several weeks out, find a couple workouts here and there just occasionally and, and wear that racing shoe or something similar to it. Um, certainly we know that, uh, it's, it's a good idea in general in your training to not wear the one kind of shoe all the time for months on end. That can also be detrimental. So if you recall from Dr. Bill Johncock talking about healthy feet on episode 70 with us on the podcast, he had some great advice about shoe and footwear choices. And I tend to recommend having basically two different kinds of training shoes that you rotate through regularly. And one of them being like a different heel to toe drop or something like that, where there's just a slight difference so that you get some kind of variety Mm -hmm. in your regular training as well. Absolutely. Great advice. And we could then conclude with an entire episode on footwear choices, which we're not going to do right now. No, we have Ajay Wilson. We have so much to to talk about. Mm -hmm. One last thing, some upcoming events that may be of interest to some of you. Yeah. So the Pi Mile Run, it's a virtual 5K and it's free. So we're going to be linking to that exciting opportunity to just have some fun and celebrate Pi Day. And, and the it, reason why it's Pi Mile is because it's not an exact 5K. Right. It's, it's the Pi variation. And so 3. everyone. 3.14. Everyone loves nerding out about <laughs> mm-hmm. that. You know, so it, apparently my brother-in-law did the calculation. He's the one putting this on, by the way. Um, and it's 5.065 or 5.05 something k kilometers so it's just a tad over 5k if you want to truly do the correct distance Mm -hmm. and so if you would like to get a t-shirt and medal you can purchase those but it's an opportunity to get to be part of something for free if you want to so you can register at the link and don't forget about rivertown races event in april there's a 5k 10k and half marathon and you can get 10 percent off with the code a to z underscore 2021 that's it Let's get on now to the world of running. There's a lot of great stuff going on in the world of running, so let's hop right in. And it's kind of poetic that Molly Sadal would be running the Atlanta Half Marathon about a year after her Olympic qualification in the marathon. In Atlanta. In Atlanta, yes, same city. And she is showing that she is in the groove, ready for this Olympic season with a PR of 108.29 for her half marathon, which earned her the win, and it's the eighth on the all-time list for the U.S. And it's especially impressive because it was really humid. It was really humid here in Texas, but it was even more humid in Atlanta, which is amazing to think about. And it was such a long race. So there was a lot of other great performances that were near PR efforts despite those conditions. So solid racing everyone in Atlanta. Always good to see people running fast and you know that uh, that people are chasing those opportunities when they're running you know near PR performances and the ground is wet with humidity yeah. and fog. That's crazy. Speaking of fast running and not a lot of opportunities in Japan now going to this is on uh, February 28th as well in Otsu Japan they had what is now the final running of the Lake Biwa Mainichi Marathon and the reason it's a final running is because that's going to be absorbed into the Osaka Marathon now but uh, what happened as reported by Japan Running News it's is astounding so let's start with the win a solid performance by Kengo Suzuki running a PR and New Japanese record, 204.56. Not shabby at all. You said like solid. I'm like thinking solid gold. It's, it's more than solid. It's even better than that. 
absolutely incredible. And it should be noted that he finished his final 5K was 1424. He was accelerating through the last 6K, in fact, and, and beyond. And, of course, that has a lot to do with how he won the race, being yeah. that few others could maintain that at that point. But maybe they didn't beat him. They still performed incredibly. So here's how it breaks down from Japan Running News. 10 man men ran under 207. 13 ran under 208. 14 under 209. And almost all of these are personal bests or debuts, we should mention. Wow. 28 men ran sub 209 that weren't necessarily just personal bests and debuts. And a total of 42 ran under 210 in the same race but wait one more stat for you 174 men ran under 220 in one race that's the most ever the anywhere, most right ever <laughs> anywhere now there are a whole lot of reasons why this could have been the case i think the most notable one is that there are no other marathons mm. so all of these guys who'd be running the tokyo marathon osaka you know all of these other big races they all came to one race and mm. raced together and did not disappoint. I'm just, I'm so amazed when I see things like this. We have long known that the Japanese know something about marathoning because they're just really good at it. But this kind of thing just, just cements in stone in history that these guys have figured some things out with the marathon. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Next up, where we are in Austin, Texas, the trials of miles racing Texas qualifier happened and many great performances Despite the Despite weather. Despite the weather. Not ours, though. We're not going to talk about ours because there's a lot of great things that happened. We'll get you a recap later on. But let's talk about the women's 5K. Ellie Pereira ran 15.08, and she worked for that 15.08 solo, I would say, what, like 800 meters or more? A large chunk of the race. Yeah, yeah. and she handsomely was under the Olympic qualification of 15.10. So that 15.08 was a solid performance for her. And three women, including Ellie, so two other women, hit the Olympic trials qualifier time with under 15.20 times. And then, of course, we keep you updated on athletes that we have interviewed on this show. And Leah Fallon, um, she ran a six-second PR. In the 5K. Very, very gutsy race, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. very solid. That was uh, that was 1532. Mm -hmm. Solid time. Nice work. Women's 10K, Constanja Klosterhofen, commonly known as Coco, mm -hmm. running for Germany, broke the national German record 10K in her debut. It was her 10K. first. <laughs> yes. It's always astounding to me when people do this. It's like, we know you're fast, Coco. We know that. We know you're fast. But... Do you have holder to be a national record holder in your first attempt at something? Um, yes, she does. And so she ran 31.01 and from the second, from the halfway point on, totally solo mm -hmm. in an accelerating, so accelerating. negatively split in what was some of the worst possible 10K conditions yeah. that you can have. Incredible. It just makes you wonder what she is, like what her potential is in this distance. In fact, in an interview I was listening to uh, where Coco was saying that she's not a 10K runner. It's like, well, this is your first one, but you are now, especially <laughs> since you hold the record for Germany. But the concept isn't whether you're a 10K runner. You are clearly a distance star. Yes. So pick your distance and pick then do distance. well at it. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. Well, of course, we're going to talk about 
our guest for today's show, Ajay Wilson, who we had the opportunity to watch fly around this Texas track. And she ran a very strong 158.9. Of course, that's the Olympic standard, but also the fastest on Texas soil. Oh, not bad. Four others ran under the U.S. trial standard of 202. So the 800 was a really great race. It was pretty quick. And we did ask Ajay about the weather just in chatting with her. And in the 800, you don't necessarily notice things like that quite as much as obviously the wind you would in a 10K. Noticeable. But it was windy. Yeah. So any kind of fast times on a track on that day, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Certainly a lot of other notable performances. We can't talk about every single thing that happened. But just to casually mention a few things, Kira D'Amato did run a PR 10K. Yes, she did. 32.16, which was an Olympic trials, a U.S. trials standard. That's not bad at all. Justin Knight won the Olympic 1500 in 3.36, which everyone kept saying, you know, it was basically he's a, he's a 5K, 10K guy who just decided to go own the milers at their event. Wow. <laughs> of course he's going to be fast in a 1500 if he's fit. But, yeah. you know, he did run uh, 336, which is not too shabby. Zuhair Talbi of Oklahoma City won the 10K for the men in a solo or largely solo effort in 2812. Not a PR for him, but not terribly far off his PR either. Which is amazing because he was running by himself too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, into the wind. <laughs> yeah, and Talem Franco, we've had him on the show. Yes. And uh, he was in the Olympic the trials qualifying event um, didn't run the Olympic trials qualifier, but did run a PR 1500 and 339. Very exciting coming off of injury. So Good he's, stuff. he's ready to fly. So while we're talking about collegiate related stuff, we should mention that there've been a lot of conference level championship types of things going on. Actually, it's very confusing because there's, there's cross country championships and indoor track championships mm-hmm. happening at basically the exact same time. Yeah. So I don't really know exactly how these conferences are trying to schedule and justify the schedules for these things, but I do know some crazy fast Mm -hmm. performances are still going on. So this would have been then on February 26th and 27th in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the SEC Indoor Track and Field Championships. Incredible things. So as you might already know, because she runs in the SEC conference, a thing Moo has been lighting up the middle distance and long sprints records. And so we've talked about her now all season. She's been doing incredible things. She just capped it off with an astounding NCAA record 800 meter performance, 158.4 in the 800 indoors, which is good for a U20 world indoor record as well as number two all-time U20 in the United States. So that means outdoor too. All, yes, yeah, that means indoor or outdoor. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it should be noted that the one who's ahead of her on that list is Ajay Wilson. Who's our and guest today. <laughs> number two all-time for U.S. indoors, period, behind Ajay Wilson mm-hmm. as well. And add it to the list of her other records. So this season alone, I think Moo has run... And by the way, she runs for Texas A&M. I didn't say that earlier. She's run now a 600-meter NCAA indoor record. She's run a 400-meter U20 world record, beating Sonia Richards-Ross' previous world record. She's also run now an 800-meter U20 world record and NCAA indoor record. And this adds to what she's already got from two years ago at 16 years of age when she ran the 600-meter, what was this, the indoors U.S. 600-meter record set back in 2019 so clearly someone to watch in the middle distance types of stuff everyone's already talking about for the tokyo olympics you know can she do it certainly can will she do it what can she qualify in could she potentially medal there's a lot of interesting conversation there and she is only a freshman at texas a&m wow exciting stuff 
So one more comment here about the SEC championships because I always find these things fascinating. The Arkansas men won for the team title in the indoor championship, and in doing so, they won without winning a single individual event title, which means they won the team title. I love that. With no individual. That's and amazing. That is amazing. Teamwork very, makes dream work. Very rare. As yeah. a matter of fact, that's a first for the SEC, according to the Razorbacks' own post on their website. So as far as this 70-year this running SEC championship, um, it's never happened before that a team won the title without winning any individuals. So they talked a lot about their depth. Clearly, they have it. I think they said they scored in every event except for just one or two or three. Oh, maybe. Wow. Wow. That's Solid something. team. <laughs> really cool stuff. One final comment. Not that this necessarily fits under the same categories we're talking about fast track races, but back on February 9th, as reported uh, on February 9th by Runner's World, a Norwegian ran an impressive half marathon record. But what the record is is what makes it impressive. This would be the barefoot running on snow half marathon record. I didn't know there was such a thing. There shouldn't be, first. <laughs> there should not be this record. Do they have feet to tell about it well, afterwards? <laughs> he can show you because it was a YouTube post. Oh, really? So go to the Runner's World article that we're linking to and watch this so you can see what his feet looked like oh, afterward. Man. Maybe you shouldn't, though, if you're oh. a bit squeamish of something. Yeah. Well, so he ran a half marathon barefoot on snow in a time of 144.58. I think it was 58. 144 and, and change. And broke the previous record by... 22 minutes wow. or 32 minutes or something um, which you know is good because nobody should be trying to do something like this so i hope very few people attempt this record as it were and i should mention i i said norway so norwegian jonas feldersveldrud is the record wow. holder <laughs> i won't be trying for that one <laughs> that's no neither should anyone listening to the show well, that about wraps it up. We've got so many other things we could be talking about, but we have we got have to Ajay get Wilson on. on the show. Wonderful conversation with Ajay coming right up. Ajay Wilson has been competing for high stakes since she was a youth champion in high school. In fact, Remaining composure is almost second nature to this woman. In fact, we're going to talk about that in the episode today. And she has raced on the world's most competitive stages. We dive into a little bit more about Ajay's experiences and how it's possible for her to remain so calm under pressure. So let's talk a little bit about Ajay. Ajay Wilson is a household name for those of us who follow the world of running. And she's the owner of the 800-meter American record and the indoor 600-meter record. In fact, Ajay's 600-meter time is the second fastest in the world's history. Ajay has medaled in many world championship races and has represented Team USA at the Olympic Games. We had the opportunity to witness Ajay on the track in her element at the Trials of Miles 800-meter run where Ajay won and clocked the fastest time on Texas soil of 158. Point nine three. Her PR is one fifty five. So let's talk to Ajay Wilson. Hi Ajay, welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. It's such a privilege to have you on. We're so excited. Well, we are just so thrilled because we had the opportunity to see you race last night at the Texas Qualifier, and you flew. It was amazing, and it was the Texas Soil Record. So first off, congratulations on that race, and would you unpack it just a little bit for us before we get started? Thanks. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty quick race. 
um, right before I found out the pace was 57 and 58. So um, I just checked in with my coach and he told me he wanted me to commit to just, you know, a hard first lap just to kind of get used to what it's going to be like. Should we get to, you know, race in Diamond Leagues once things kind of get sorted. Um, and after that, it was just about maintaining and, and pushing through the line uh, and seeing seeing what kind of fitness I was in right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and it certainly looked like, uh, you know, you, you really put it together to, you know, run in a solid 158, kind of in an early season situation like this. A lot of people were talking last night about the weather. You know, it wasn't certainly the best for distance racing. And I know for 800s, that doesn't always play as much of a factor, but it was at the very least, it was windy. And that's not always fun. So well done. Great performance. Mm -hmm. And we were excited to be able to watch you in person this time. We've seen a lot of videos, but watch your race and see a great performance. Nice work. Thank you. So in thinking about our our focus here, as as we appreciate your time and opportunity to share some of your experiences, um, we really want to dwell on the the nature of the high stakes and high pressure experiences you have had over the years and especially what it takes to maintain composure and to stay within yourself in those kinds of environments because um, you've done that and, and we'll get to that in a moment but before we do um, certainly you're very familiar with high stakes racing so you've you've run in world championships you've medaled in world championships indoor and out and you've run in world record attempts in the olympics and you know basically Anything that an athlete in today's age can experience as far as pressure, you've been in that. And so I'd love it if you could, Ajay, if you could just unpack for us some of the most high-pressure experiences. What, what were some of those instances where you really felt more of that pressure or that the stakes were highest? Yeah, I don't think that I've ever kind of sat down to think about it in you know, a big-picture sense or like just the scope of competitions over the years. So. That's definitely like a, an interesting way to put it and to look at it. I think generally, um, I try to approach races or high pressure, you know, situations as just very like insulated. I'm in my own world, I'm in my own bubble, bubble and um, just kind of keep the focus on my preparation, what I've done and how confident I feel um, to kind of ease the, the general you know, magnitude of, of those moments. So in terms of races where I felt, felt the most pressure, uh, Doha, the World Championships in 2019 was probably the height of that kind of nerves, um, just wanting to do super well and just being super fired up about competition. I think that was the first time as a senior that um, I went into you know, major champs is the favorite. I think I've kind of been lucky to have one go around at each like major stepping stone to just, you know, get my feet wet, see what things are like um, and not have to, you know, feel so um, like intense about performing well. That's always a goal for sure but it's a little easier to come into a race as an underdog than it is to come into it um, sometimes is, you know, expecting to do well. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the most nervous that I've been for a race or the most pressure that I felt. Um, yeah. I'm, 
I'm curious, um, and you may or may not even be able to answer this question, but do you think that other people knew that you were nervous or were there people like, like coaches or teammates or friends who were aware of how you felt in terms of that pressure? I don't think so. And I think it wasn't until I think after world champs and just kind of processing and thinking about the whole experience that I realized how <laughs> much uh, how nervous and just worked up I was. I remember driving to the final, um, sitting next to my coach in the bus. And we're, it was maybe like a 25, 30 minute ride. <clears throat> and like 10 minutes in, I just, I just feel my body, I'm present. And my shoulders are like in my neck and I'm sitting on the edge of the seat. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what's, what's going on? And I just had to relax and kind of, you know, do some, some deep breathing and, and bring myself down. But I think that was that was kind of where a switch clicked of like, you're kind of nervous about this. I feel like typically I I get nervous, but it's more of a like anxious, excited. Um, and I think Doha was just a, a little bit different, I think because of how, um, I think how big of a moment it was. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's exactly it is, um, you know, the, the moments that are bigger, you know, the, those pressures can come at us in, in a lot of different ways. So certainly you were, you were feeling that because of the way you were thinking about that experience. Um, you know, we've had times and I, and I, I don't know if you can relate to this specifically, but I can think about, there've been moments where I've been especially nervous about something that was an all, you know, in all purposes, a very low stakes competition. And yet for some reason, I was especially nervous about that. A lot of times it's like the early season race when I'm really just trying to test fitness or even just like, you know, an important workout at times. Um, but in reflecting in reflecting with you, Ajay, about how you've experienced some of those those key moments, um, one of the comments that you tend to hear the most when you hear commentators talking about you in races or when you hear, you know, some of kind of like the reflections after the fact is people will always say, um, you know, Ajay, she never looks frazzled. She never looks phased. She's always within herself. She's always calm. Um, and you'll even in some of your post-race interviews, I've heard the interviewer ask you about that even during the race where the athletes around you are all grimacing and grunting. And we, we were recently watching your uh, your 600 meter national record um, when you were it's, it's the second fastest time ever in the world. And so the world record was set right in front of you and looking at um, the, the athletes all around you at that moment, seeing the grimaces on their faces and then looking at you and you just looked calm and, and you were driving crazy fast and yet just well within yourself, um, at least in those appearances. So that's, you know, that I think that's a skill. I don't mm -hmm. think that that is necessarily something that, um, you know, that most people have. And so I'm curious if you're willing to reflect on what, how it is that you are able to be composed despite, you know, in that instance, that example, I'm assuming you were in a great deal of pain coming down the last 100 meters in a 600 meter race. Shouldn't feel wonderful. Um, but at the same time, you know, even in your pre-race warmups or in a post-race interview, in all of these instances, you have this ability to be composed. Um, what's going on in your mind in those different things? And, and is it... Is it an intentional thing? Are you trying to maintain that composure? Does it happen naturally? Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know when or how it started or 
I, I think I just noticed it when other people started noticing it. Um, but yeah, as long as I can remember, that's kind of just been like how I run, how I compete even in other sports. Um, my family and I joke that like my face just goes blank. What what happens? I don't know how. I'm not really sure. Um, I definitely feel the burn. I feel pain when I'm running. But I think there's like maybe a few moments where, you know, I'm grimacing or sometimes in practice or there's been a few races. And I think the in those moments, I, I think I've just like panicked and I'm like, I really am trying to get here. Like I'm, I'm thinking ahead of like what I'm doing in the moment. So um, I don't know. I think I just, I'm just running and I'm just focused on, you know, continuing and pushing through the line. It's, yeah, it's not really thought about. It just kind of just is. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really sure why or how, but it's just a thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing. It's amazing because, um, you know, it, it is, I think about in, in competition, um, you know, how many times I've watched a competitor to try to see, you know, can you, can you see what they're feeling and what they're thinking and try to glean something from that? It's the classic poker face, right? Where I just can't tell where you're at if, if I can't see it on your face. And that's, I, you know, I think it's an advantage in, in mm -hmm. racing, you know, for, for your competition to just not know. Not know where you're at because they can't tell just by you know by the glance if you will but um it, it, and so you mentioned that example with uh in 2019 you know where you noticed that you were you were exuding some amount of tension and you specifically did something to try to counteract that um are there other examples of that where uh to try to to fend off the possible anxiousness or the possible tension um, anything else that you can do or that you've been able to do in the past to help with that? Yeah, I I feel like maybe only in the last like two years have I kind of transitioned out of this other technique. But um, so like if I'm, when I come to a race, when I used to come to a race, one of the first things that I would do, I bring my blanket, I lay my bag down and I take a nap. And since I was a kid, either um, if I was like, too lazy to make some food <laughs> and um, was hungry or if I was upset or, you know, nervous about a test the next day, I would just like go to sleep because if you're asleep, you can't be nervous. So that was a way that I kind of fended off the nerves early on. Um, if I wasn't awake, I was, wasn't in my head. I wasn't over processing or overthinking and, um, you know, power naps anywhere from 25, 30 minutes, they say are great for a little boost on twofold. It was, I think it was good and kind of just like keeping me calm and, and figuring things out. I think also um, before a race, like the week or two leading up to it, um, I'll just play through different scenarios in my head of, of how a race is gonna go thinking about how I'm gonna feel, um, who's who else is in the race, like what is that gonna all look like? And even though I don't know how it's gonna play out, feeling like I at least know what's coming, I think helps me kind of, you know, be more comfortable with walking into the unknown. We, we recently were talking with someone who commented on how important it is to 
think about the pain in a race uh, prior to the race experience. So you can make sure that you anticipate how you're going to feel. Um, and, and especially in thinking about something like, uh, you know, something like a middle distance race where it's really, I mean, it's pain line to line in essence, you know, you're, you're going just about as hard as you can go for a very short period of time. And that doesn't feel great for most people. <laughs> um, do you, do you feel like Ajay that you are able to, um, anticipate that well, like, like, are there surprises in races for you? Like, I didn't know that it was going to feel that way or having done this, you know, for so many years now, um, or have you have you worked out all the surprises? I think it's definitely been a learning experience of just seeing how different, you know, race strategies and seeing how different races go and how different races feel. I think I always I always go back to I think it was 2014 um, in Stockholm. I ran a diamond league there, and with 200 to go, I think I was in second place or third place, and. Before that point, I think my earliest, my closest finish had been maybe like six or something. And I always got super uh, nervous about the 300 marks. So that that was a transition from high school to pro. Of, this is where everyone starts making their moves. And in my head, it's like, I cannot start kicking at 300 and make it through the, this line. So I'd be super timid and I wouldn't go and then try to make up that, that deficit in the end. And I don't know if I just, I was just, I don't know what, what was happened, but I wasn't thinking about it in the race. And by the time I realized that I went at the 300 with everybody else, I was like, oh man, I hope I don't die. But I just kept going. And I think I finished third or fourth, but it was a moment where I just realized, hey, that didn't feel how I thought it would feel. So I think it goes both ways of anticipating the pain, but also, um, like over anticipating pain and letting that kind of hold you back. Um, so I, I think I've gotten better at prepping for that through through training, through practice, and just realizing, hey, if I can do this 500 all out, come back and do a three and a two, and I'm okay when I get into a race, you know, I shouldn't be concerned about how I'm going to feel 500 out. If you come up short, you come up short, but I think I, we do, you know, the right work in practice to kind of give you that confidence that whatever you feel, whatever you don't feel like, um, it's going to be all good. It's going to be fine. That's, that is great advice. It really is. Yeah. So Ajay, with all this experience that you have and all these races that you've run, our audience would love to know a takeaway for them and their they're racing when they're feeling pressure. Like, what would you just say to somebody who is going into the unknown, as you said, and they're looking at a race and maybe feeling some apprehension? The advice I would give, and I, I find myself <laughs> on my soapbox talking to like teammates or um, when someone new comes to the program of just becoming accustomed to like being in these type of environments, is to like figure out what you're like what the root of your worry is or what the root of um, like why you feel so like worked up or, or nervous or pressure really gets to you. And, you know, figuring out ways to literally like combat that and, you know, kind of helping yourself figure it out. So for, for me, um, not knowing how things are going to play out, whether it's positive or negative, I realize like that doesn't, 
bother me as much is just not knowing in general. So um, the way that I kind of combat that is doing visualization. Like if, if I at least can trick myself into feeling like I don't know what's coming, um, then the, the pressure kind of like melts away. It, it eases off. Uh, one of my teammates and her, her, I feel like what is the root of why she feels nervous or the pressure kind of gets to her is that she thinks that she's going to die with like 50 to go, that she's going to run out of gas, she's going to run out of steam. Um, and so some things that she does, like practice, does that in practice. Yeah, I might not make it through this workout, but if I get used to being comfortable with um, what my big concern is, I think it, it helps when race day comes or when you actually have to, you know, kind of face the noise or whatever, you know, circumstances in that brings pressure. Um, and just kind of help give yourself the tools and um, I sometimes say like trick yourself into thinking that you're okay or that, you know, you're not feeling as much pressure as, as you might. Um, so yeah, I think that would be my advice. Just do everyone, everyone's different and everyone feels things differently. So you, it's kind of super personal of, of how you combat that. Mm -hmm. That is such great advice because yes, it is. It is very much an individual experience. Um, but, but the idea that we all do face the noise, I, I appreciate that phrase. Um, because, you know, in some instances it's very real noise. You know, you've been in stadiums, Ajay, we haven't, but you've been in stadiums where that noise is real and that's incredible. Uh, but even you've also raced in situations like uh, the Texas qualifiers, a good example, where there are very few people there. You know, the noise is sometimes a lot more internal than it is external in some ways, too. So, um, it re yeah, really appreciate, though, that, uh, you know, we have to we have to think about what it is that we are fearing about this and to really identify that and name it is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, too, that uh, you're kind of the root of why you feel how you feel changes. So when you were talking about big stadiums, that used to be something that made me super nervous. I just felt a way about thinking everyone was watching me when I was running, as silly as it sounds. Yes, like everyone's watching you because it's a race. Um, but I just get so like nervous about it. And so I just started thinking like, yeah, they're actually not watching me. Like they're watching the other people in the race. And yeah, it's not realistic or accurate, but that was just a, a way that I kind of, you know, coached myself and, you know, became okay with, with that kind of fear. Um, and now it's not a, it's not a thing, but yeah, I definitely think you, you kind of have to stay in tune and stay in touch because um, things change and uh, you feel, yeah, things change and you change. You just have to be aware of when, when that happens. That's yeah. really good. So speaking of speaking of everyone watching you, not to try to make you think more about pressure, but uh, we certainly have been and will continue watching and following you, especially you know hoping for uh, where the season's going to go this year and into then uh, the Tokyo Olympics. Olympics. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and for our audience who is also very interested in knowing, um, you know, we, we we anticipate being able to share as you go through the season now. Uh, what, what's next then on your horizon? Are you still competing in the near future? Or are you gearing up for a spring season? What's this looking like? Uh, the only meet I really know about now that we're really looking to is um, on April 10th, there's a 100 in Florida. I'm not sure where. 
but um, right before we left for this meet, um, my coach mentioned it. I think that's that's next on the on the radar of um, our unusual season. Yeah. Well, we're all certainly hopeful for Tokyo this summer, and that uh, you know that for the first that the details come together and work out for that, but uh, certainly for your own purposes and. You know, when the U.S. trials come along and just uh, wish you the best of luck with Absolutely. that. We'll be rooting you on and cheering for you and our audience will as well. Ajay Wilson knows how to stay calm in every situation, including some of the tech troubles that we had during this episode itself. Which I hopefully hope you, you did not notice Yeah. if I did my editing job. Properly. On YouTube, you will notice that Zach is frozen in a position. It's pretty funny. But if you didn't get a chance to watch us on YouTube, you might want to because we're going to have a couple clips of some running events that happened during the trials of Miles section in the world of running. So you want to check that out. But let's get back to the topic and our reflections on it. When I witness Ajay warming up for her event, I notice the calm. I could actually sense it and see it. This is now my first time watching her warm up and compete. And I can totally see what everyone talks about when she just has this inner calm. And she even said hello to us. Like she's in the zone. She's getting ready for her race. And she she takes the time to just say hi to us. And I am going to try to emulate some of this going forward. In fact, I posted on our Instagram a picture of me finishing. And it was all hurt all over my face. Like you can see every bit of pain on my face. So I'll be working on that coming up in the future. I actually have been working on it for many years, but I have a long way to go to be at this Ajay Wilson level. And another thing that I would love to mention as a takeaway is that Ajay had talked about getting to the root of worry in every scenario. And a lot of times our fears like the worst thing that could happen is really not that bad. And if we go through these scenarios in our head, we can release these worries that we have as we approach. Like for me, I ran as slow as I actually thought would even be humanly possible for me at this point in my training and how my fitness. That was very dramatic. Andy. <laughs> but very it was dramatic. not that bad. And it was, you know, I still had a great experience coming out of it and I was not afraid. I went in and I, I ran to the best of my ability for the day. And that's what we can do is give it our, our all. Mm. And in taking that away, so what does this look like then for the rest of us? Because most of us are not world-class performers running Diamond League circuit races and you know Olympics and World Championships. Um, however, the key takeaway, I think, as we reflect on Ajay's words, and thank you for sharing mm -hmm. your thoughts with us all, Ajay, um, we got to name it first. What's the source of the pressure? Where is it coming from? And then ultimately in identifying that, what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. And we so appreciated Ajay's comment we all need to face the noise. It's going to happen. We have to do it in order to address the goals that we have and the things we're trying to accomplish. Uh, but in facing the noise, how do we do that is the big question. And that, that maintaining composure, preparing for and anticipating those things, and then going out and executing in the face mm -hmm. of that pressure is exactly what we are all doing every day. And we're right here with you. Absolutely. And along the journey, we'd love to connect with you even more at AtoZRunning.com. And you can find us on social media at AtoZRunning. We have an amazing uh, episode coming up with Adam Hamolka of Endurance Rehabilitation. He's a PT that specializes with runners and runners' needs. So we're going to be talking about some prehab stuff that we can do super practical, get into the things that we need to do to stay healthy as runners and to thrive, because that's what it's all about. 
We're helping runners thrive here at A to Z Running, and we thank you all for participating in the conversation, for your support with our races, and we'd love to support you more too. So thank you for connecting, and we'll talk to you next week.